I'm Javed Nixon, President and CEO of Point Global Marketing, and you're tuned to Your Business Matters, a podcast brought to you by Exim Bank and hosted by Enika Watkins Portal. Your Business Matters brings thought leaders together on thought-provoking ideas every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on your favorite podcast app. You have questions and they have the answers. When you speak, we listen. We listen to all your stories. About how your business was started. Including how you chose the name. The location. And every step along the journey to make it applicable to the problems you solve every day. Within these stories, we have also listened to your cries for help. The narrative surrounding limited cash flow. Extended payment terms for buyers who just can't meet your 30-day credit term this month. Next month. And the month after that. We understand trying to add value along a value chain that is dynamic and ever-changing. We are here to help. Because your stories are the reason we exist. And because we know that sometimes you need credit quickly, we have created Exim Express Receivables Financing so that your most important jobs get done. With a turnaround time of seven days and up to 75% of your receivables covered with no collateral or financials needed, you know you're in good hands. Exim Bank. By helping businesses, we save lives and And livelihood. Before we get into today's discussion, Alan Thomas, Manager, Business Origination and Development at Exim Bank, he's here to share about trade credit insurance. Welcome, Alan. Hi, thank you. When we talk about trade credit insurance, what are we talking about? Trade credit insurance is a product provided by the Exim Bank that gives an exporter or a local trader who sells on credit the ability to protect his his receivables. What do I mean by that? For example, you're selling biscuits and or sandals and you sell it to a shop or a business another business place down the road all right and but you sold those goods on credit you gave them time to pay you you gave them 30 days 60 days so you have no so somebody owes you money but that person could in 30 days or 60 days run into problem and not be able to pay you so what the trade credit insurance does for, for the owner of that trade credit insurance or the owner of that policy, it gives that the owner the, the protection if the person defaults on the payment. So if the payment is not made, you're able after 90 days to make a claim against the policy and be paid up to 80% of the value of that, of the amount that you sold to, the, to, to your customer. And is there a minimum and max or maximum that is covered? And what are the premium rates that we're talking about and how are they determined? There is uh, the maximum and minimum. Let us discuss that. Oh, it is determined. All right. When you identify a person that you want to, that that you're asking us to insure your receivables with, we would now do what we call a a credit check on that person. When the credit check is done, a recommendation will come back about the amount of credit that the organization or the over the, the, the reinsurers 
would be willing to, in, to insure, meaning that they may decide that they will not insure more than 10,000 US dollars worth of goods. They, might, they may decide that they are not doing more than 100,000 US dollars worth of goods. And then that becomes the, the limit, the, the upper limit of the amount you insure. So anything you declare to the bank in excess of that would not be covered. But any amount that you sell to that customer within that 100,000 that was approved would be fully protected. And in the event that the buyer default on that, on that payment that is due to you, you would be able to make a claim to Exim Bank and we will investigate and pay you. Okay. And, and to answer the question now, how are those premium rates uh, determined? Oh, the premium, the premium rate is fairly attractive in that it is six cents out of every hundred dollars. So if you so it ends up the, the if you should use it as a percentage, it's 0.6%. Okay. Of the face value of the amount that you are selling. So if you are selling um, let us say ten thousand dollars worth of goods to uh, let us say a thousand dollars worth of goods to a party then the coverage on that will basically be, a, be $60 for $1,000 worth of coverage. So every $1,000 worth of goods you sell on credit, then it will cost you six, uh, 60 cents to cover that. All right. $60. So, $60, right, $60. Right. Sounds attractive. So what kinds of businesses or types of goods or services are covered under this uh, regime? All goods would be covered in it is when it is and it is so it is can be bought for over for exporters and for the local market. But in most instances, it is the exporter who is usually buying because they are in most cases they are less familiar with the persons that they are selling, they are selling the goods to. But sometimes even the pandemic that came up recently. Let us say you have you were doing business with a customer that you have been doing business with for years, but because of this unforeseen circumstance, this this customer could have actually business could have folded, and then you would not be paid. But you it's not no fault of the customer, you know, it's no intention of the customer why he has he's not able to to pay. Unforeseen circumstances has developed, and therefore he's unable to pay. But if your goods were insured when you sold it to this customer, then you would be able to make a claim on the bank. And if it was you sold $10,000 worth of goods to him, $10,000 worth of goods, then you would make a claim for the, for eight, up to $80,000 would be paid. $8,000 would be paid under the policy. Mm-hmm. And what kind of information do you need to approve a business owner for trade credit insurance at Exim? Typical uh, documents that you would send in when you're opening a bank account, uh, like it's your company's documents. Your so those are the, the documents. Uh, incorporating documents, a list of your who are your your shareholders and things like that. We would be you would be required to submit to the bank. All right. We would do a proposal for you, and after that proposal is done, then we'll get an approval. And the policy, to take out the policy, will cost you about $12,500. But what it gives you is the protection, $12,500, I should say, uh, Jamaican dollars. But you could use that policy now to establish credit limits for all of your overseas exports 
and that may give you protections for hundreds of thousands of US dollars or tens of thousands of US dollars would be far more than the cost of the policy. Mm-hmm. And finally, where can persons go to learn more about uh, the trade credit insurance that Exim Bank offers to business owners? Our website will provide you information about the, the product and you are able to make contact with our business. If you go on our website, you'll be able to make uh, ask questions on the website and some an officer will contact you to provide you with the information about the policy and make the arrangement for you to get the policy, to, to underwrite the policy for you. Eximbankja.com. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> All right. So to, to learn more about trade credit insurance from the Exim Bank, we go to eximbankja.com. Thank That's you. correct. Thank you so much, Alan. Alan Thomas is the Manager of Business Origination and Development at Exim Bank Jamaica. I appreciate you sharing time with me today to share about trade credit insurance. Thank you so much. Welcome to Exim Bank's Your Business Matters. I am your host, Henneke Watkins-Porter. Now, as you know, on this show, we are bringing thought leaders together with thought-provoking ideas and methods on business matters to help grow your business. Now, have you ever been convicted of a felony? It's a question that often appears on travel documents, government forms, and job applications. Police records are stuck with you for life and are known to do more damage than anything else. Rap sheets are arguably a show of character. In 2019, a civil servant who was arrested for not being able to repay her debt on time told the Jamaica Gleaner that job hunts since then has been extremely difficult for her. The woman reportedly received certification in counseling at the prison where she resided and was also a tutor of several CXC subjects for other inmates. Since her release due to good behavior, the past inmates stated that job searches were futile even by government-run organizations and expressed that this move by the Jamaican government this move by the Jamaican government facilities sends mixed signals. Millions of dollars are invested in the rehabilitation of prisoners. The question, however, remains whether we have systems in place to effectively reintegrate felons back into our society. Today, we examine the topic, should businesses hire felons? Opal Levy at Sisters Inc. joins me as I play today the dual role of both moderator and debater. Welcome, welcome, Opal. Thank you for having me. How are you today? I am doing very well, and it's such a pleasure to have you. And I just want to say that today is going to be such an interesting show as I double up my role, as I mentioned previously. And I chose to do that today because guess what? Although many people feel otherwise, you know, that the person should, be, uh, should not be hired because of their record. They don't want to come on publicly to argue against hiring felons. 
I have been getting mostly, oh, everybody should be given a second chance, which is, by the way, what I believe in theory and intellectually. However, when it comes to intrinsically, though, I have to dig deep to question my own self as to whether this good Christian girl really believes that deep within. So as a result of that, I am going to present the arguments as to why a company may choose not to hire a felon, right? And um, I am going to invite at this time Opal Levy to come with her opening arguments as she argues that felons should be given a second chance. Companies should in fact hire them. Let's hear it, Opal. Okay, well, thank you so much, Henika. And it is such a pleasure being here. Um, let us start from the perspective that every single organization in this world was started for a reason. It has a purpose for existence. Money is just a resultant of that. So the cause or the purpose is to contribute some way positively to society, right? And Adam Smith, when he spoke about the wealth of nations, he spoke about the fact that the producer is supposed to be producing their, their products to suit the customer. So the customer is very, very critical in every single organization. Now, customer transcends, and for me, I want customer to transcend just the person who is actually doing a transaction in terms of buying and selling, but it also includes our internal customers. Eh? And for us, for as we are talking about felon, felons today, um, it is so important that we look at our felons as human beings and, and, and an individual who wants a second chance at life. It's a lot more than just a second chance because many times we find that felons who would have created these problems or, or whatever problem it is that they have encountered while they would have been in this situation, they were doing it to survive. So um, after having gone through that and have been punished for the wrong, I think it is now time for us to integrate them back into society. But we're not going to just loosely do that. We're going to do it in such a way that it makes sense to them it makes sense to the organization and it makes sense to the co-workers, to their co-workers. And so I believe, I strongly believe that as a society, it's more than just, um, you know, what I, I, I feel because I want people to think that I'm a good person. But I really believe that as a society, as organizations, we have a responsibility to employ felons. I thank you. Wow, spoken like a true debater. <laughs> Thank you. I like it. All right. So before I get into my argument, I want to define who is a felon. A felon is a person who has committed a felony. And I don't want us to confuse that with a misdemeanor, right? And by definition, a felony is typically defined as a crime that is punishable by a term of imprisonment of one year or more, right? So it's not misdemeanors. They're misdemeanors are just, you know, simple offenses that are punishable only by fines for short term. So I want to, us to really understand what we're talking about when we're talking about a felon and felony, right? So we're not just talking about a misdemeanor here. And let me start off by referring us to an article in um, this week's, uh, well, last week's actually, Gleaner 
and dated December 5, 2021, right? That article talked about the, the headline gun permits in firing line. Now, in summary of this article, businessman Robert Ivey was given licenses for four guns, right? And even in spite of committing crimes in the US for which he was convicted. Now, Shane Darling, who is the chief executive officer of the Firearm Licensing Authority, he confirmed that Ivy's permits were then revoked because they found several cases of persons who are unfit to hold licenses. So the argument, the gleaner goes on to say a whole lot more, but I just want to ask this question. If the justice system does not forgive a felon, why should employers? Why should employers forgive somebody which the system, the state in which they're operating is not even giving them a second chance? And the state in a lot of incidents, a lot of examples set the precedence for how we ought to behave in society, right? All these organizations are little, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just little societies coming together, right? And so we are looking to the society to kind of guide us, to lead us in a direction that we ought to go. You mentioned, Opal, about we have to consider the reason that persons get into crime in the first place, right? They would have gotten into crime because of some form of wanting um to, to, to get some form of income, to, to earn, to support themselves and their family in many instances. Now, let's say somebody committed a crime and because of some, you know, they're stealing and, you know, major, major robbery, whatever it was, and you try to give that person a job, that salary that you are going to be paying to that employee, to that felon, isn't going to be enough of a motivation to keep him or her out of a life of crime. So what do you say to that, Madam Opal? Okay, so I, there, there are three points that you raised. The first one, which is very critical, you said that the crime is punishable, right? That means that they would have gone through their period of punishment. So we want to make sure that when we punish, when these persons are punished, that there's some rehabilitation process, right, that would have taken place in prison. And, we're, and when they now come back into society, we now have a responsibility to help them as they come back into society. So it is important, Henneke, to note that they have been punished. And when you have done a crime and you're, you're punished, it's now time for us to give them a second chance. Eh? It's not like they're just running up and down free. So the, the state has a responsibility of punishing them. And then now as, as a society, we have a responsibility to allow them to reintegrate. Now, if we are able to help them to reintegrate by giving them jobs, we're hoping that there's no longer going to be a re-offense, that they're going to do the same thing again, because it is now an opportunity for them to earn and take care of their families, um, their families, etc. Right. And also it, it is so important for us to look at them as human beings. We've all if, if, if I could pull on my Christianity, we've all sinned and have, and have, and have come short of the glory of God. And I knew if, that was coming. I am ready if, for that. I knew that was coming. <laughs> so if, I'm ready. <laughs> and if we do not have the capacity to forgive, eh? 
if we do not have the capacity, capacity to forgive, we ourselves will not be forgiven. So we have to be able to extend that. And the final point I'd like to make is that I said clearly in my opening remarks that it is, that it is incumbent on us to have a process as to how we, um, we reintegrate them. So somebody can't be locked up in prison for stealing money and you're going to let them work at guardsmen to, to carry money. Eh? So we have to be able to, we have to look at what the felony was, what it is that happened. And then we have to see, how do I reintegrate him into the organization? How much access do I give him? And then you see, what is so critical at the end of the day now is that because you have given them an opportunity to step back into life, they will then be so loyal to you. They will then become so loyal to the organization. Now, like every single thing in life, there are exceptions. You're going to do everything for some people, whether they had a record or not, and they're going to be ungrateful. So I'm not saying that what we are proposing is going to work for every single felon. What I'm saying, though, is that we have a responsibility to reintegrate them so that we can reduce the offenses that are taking place in our society. All right, so you mentioned a, a number of things, right? But And the time will not allow for us to go into all the things that you mentioned. But let me ask this question. Is prison supposed to be a punishment or is it supposed to be somewhere that one is re rehabilitated and, um, and reformed? Or is it both? What is it? I think it is both. It is both that you, the punishment is that you're taken away from the from society. You're taken away from the normal modus operandi. You're taken away from the, and all of the luxuries that you're accustomed to. Eh? But then within the walls of prison, there has to be reformation. There has to be whether there's going to be, look, there are a lot of persons who have gone to prison who have got their doctorates coming out of prison. Eh? So there has to be some form of education, whether it is going to the library or whether you have lecturers coming in to teach or you know whatever it is or is it counselors that are helping them to some of the trauma that they would have gone to that have in their childhood that have forced them into this lifestyle so it's both so with all that you're saying you're hope you're hoping and you did say with 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 you know with all these training and all of that we are hoping that they would have been rehabilitated and so on however what i would like to draw on is a document that i um, came across on crimemuseum.org. And I'm just going to quote a little bit of it, which is very evident even in our Jamaican society. And it says, unfortunately, research has consistently shown that time spent in prison does not successfully rehabilitate most inmates and the majority of criminals return to a life of crime almost immediately. Many argue that most prisoners will actually learn new and better ways to commit crimes while they are looked upon uh, with where they're while they are locked up rather with their fellow convicts. They can also make connections and become more deeply involved in the criminal world. So ideally, the utopian view is that yeah, they're going to be transformed and everything is going to be hunky dory. But what the reality and the studies show is that because they would have made a 
connection. They become better. Yes, we know statistics prove that there are, there are some, and that's on the minority, and I don't have the exact stats right now to show that that's the minority that, that you know, is successfully transformed. So whose responsibility does it then become? Since the organization, the penal system, that would have been set up to transform and to rehabilitate has not done its job successfully. So now it, it then the onus now becomes on the, the, the employer, on the company already struggling with trying to pay its bills. Now you're going to be thinking about um, uh, watching over your shoulder because can a leopard change its spot, you know? And the truth is, let me say this, we're always, um, you know, when I did integrated science in school, right, in high school, we talk about the kinetic energy and potential energy. So the reality is we are a potential everything, right? We are, we are all potential criminals. We're potential, but we, we, are, we also have the potential to be the best that we can. Now, many of us decide that we're not going to, to act on the potential that we have in a negative way. We decide that we are going to be a law-abiding citizens. However, we do have those that release from potential into kinetic energy, right? So... Who's then, why should the company, with all its already existing burdens, bear the burden of taking on an employee that is going to add more responsibilities simply because they decide, they made the decision, they made that choice to be um, a felon. It is by choice. It is. It is by choice. And there, we are in no way excusing the behavior or behaviors that would have taken place in the past. However, Henneke, what is so important for us to bear in mind is that if we step into the arena thinking that this individual is going to be a burden, then this individual will be a burden. If we're thinking that this individual is going to come to my, my, my organization, they're going to repeat the behavior, they're going to repeat the behavior. And the, and, and the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. And so what we want to do, we're not going to be naive. We're not going to be stupid. We're not going to be gullible. But we're going to give the person a fair chance. Eh? Um, as, and as I said, as, as organizations, we have a great purpose. We have a great cause, right? And people spend money with us, not only to, for the exchange of goods and services, but because of value, the value that we as organization bring to the society. Right. And so one important value or one important role that we have is that we have to make sure that we are able to help our fellow men. So a convict and I'm not saying this out of out of something that I've read. I've actually employed a felon myself. Right. And when he came into my space, I asked him exactly what happened. Of course, I was a little apprehensive. Right. Because he came to me as a gardener. So whenever he had a machete, I would try to make sure that he I don't offend him. Eh? So, but you have to, but you have to, you have to, <laughs> you have to step into a space though that you're saying, I am willing to give him a second chance. I am willing to let you come and I'm willing to let you work with me. And I'm going to treat you as if you are any other. And when he knows, he or she knows that you know that they did the offense, they have gone to prison. And you are now taking a chance on them. I can guarantee you that a lot of them, not maybe, as I said, not all, but many of them will be so grateful to you that they might end up being one of the best employees you've ever had. So we really just need to give people a chance because we've all we've all done wrong, you know. 
is that, that some persons got caught and some didn't. So we've all done wrong. So we now need to give people a chance to prove themselves eh? and to reintegrate with society. Well said, but you also mentioned as a man thinketh, so is he. Yeah, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he or she. Uh, by that very same token, not all felons would have gotten to a point of that, having that mindset of, you know, I am enough, you know, all these, I'm living my good life now, all those positive affirmations and all of that. They're not yet there. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So he thinks or she thinks that, hey, I'm a criminal. Hey, I'm a rapist. Hey, I am a murderer. And he's or she is thinking that and bringing that energy into the space that you are, um, you know, with other team members, uh, perhaps they use that status to bully other team members into be, being afraid of them, um, calling them like, do you know what may I come from? I spend time in prison for X. So that can be intimidating for staff members already existing. Some persons may not be as committed because they are just, it may be part of their um, get out of jail card shorter than you know, parole period and, and so on when you, when you think about that. In order to, to be paroled, then perhaps you have to prove that you know, you'll be employed, things like that. So they may, they may be doing it out of obligation and not necessarily a genuinely, I want to serve this company. I want to be given a new lease on life. Because when you think about criminal activities such as scamming, when, you know, and we know, and, and I don't want to necessarily label any um, and, and stigmatize any community, but we live in Jamaica and we know a lot of what we hear in the news from what happens in Montego Bay. When a scammer can earn millions of dollars in an instant by just telling somebody um using by being very creative negatively creative why would they settle for a job that is going to pay them um pennies compared to what they are able to earn from a life of crime they may be caught and gone to, and gone to prison but they just come up with another way of oh you know what i can do this better or get other partners and they and they become more strategic because they are very smart my question to you before I even give you a chance to respond to that, because <laughs> I'm doubling up my role. <laughs> my question to you is, Opal, you have, say, and this is a scenario, you have two employees, right, or prospective employees that you're looking at their resume, you've, you've narrowed it down to two, and ceteris paribus, I mean, that's the only term I perhaps remember from econ in sixth form, she would be proud of me, my teacher right? Ceteris paribus, you know, all of the factors held constant. So they have the same level of qualification. They have the same everything. The only differentiating factor is that one person had committed a serious crime, right? Remember, all of the factors are held constant. Who is going to get that job over the other person? Which one well, are you going to give that job to? Let me be very honest with you. Um, because you've said all things constant, but they're not constant. They're not equal because one person has qualifications and a good record. One person has good record, good, good qualifications, but a bad record. So the felon is, comes to us in a worse off position. So the truth is as an HR professional, you're going to take the person with a better record, eh? Right. Because the it, you know, um, when you look at 
at at at the, the two most important factors when you're judge when you're managing all right as a leader two most in factor, important factors are performance and trusting right and where on those two axes you fall will tell you the kind of individual that you are so obviously for the the felon he would not be he or she would not be successful in this particular scenario however Let's switch it up a little bit. Let us look at a scenario where the, the, the felon comes to me with a lot more qualifications, right? And ha have done a job before, but unfortunately, he or she ran into some problems with the law, right? For whatever reason. And I have somebody else who might have a good record, but don't have the requisite re um, qualifications. I am willing, as a leader, I am willing to prepare a plan to say, if I'm going to take this this individual into my organization, I must have a plan One. to facilitate his or her integration into the business. Two, the, the, my staff embracing my ability to work with or their ability to work with somebody who has a record. Right. And I think my staff would be a lot more accommodating because they're saying, boy, Opal is not being discriminatory because this guy comes to us. He's bright. He's good at his job, but he got into trouble and Opal is willing to take a chance on him because that is what leadership is all about. Leadership is all about allowing persons to make a mistake and learning from the mistake. So for me, if if they are equal, if they come to the table at the same level, then it's going to be up for grabs. If the felon comes to the table with the bad record, he's not going to be the selected one. However, if the felon comes to the table qualified, experienced, and the only thing negative that he or she has against you know, themselves or whatever is, is the record, I will go for the person. But as a leader, I'm going to make sure that I have a plan to integrate him into the organization both for himself and for the other the other staff members. All right, I heard that. And I would love to um, pierce a little hole in your argument simply because of what yes. you said earlier. What you said earlier was, you know, taking a chance with this person, they are now going to, um, you know, you think that they're going to be loyal because they say, oh my gosh, you know, she believes in me. She's given me a second chance. And the probability of, you know, that person, he or she being more loyal. But yet, that same scenario where you have two purses, all of the factors held constant, and then you would have selected the one that doesn't have the record. So then, if that fell on because of your argument of loyalty, why would you not choose to select that person on the very basis of, you know what, because I'm, I'm given a second chance, I possibly could, um, this person could be, 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 you know, be more loyal. And on that basis, then you select that person. Um, but that, but that would be but that would be almost going against the grain of how we naturally behave, though. So I have I in it what what I'm saying, you know, the point I'm making is that it's not that because you give the person the job, the person is going to become loyal. Eh? What I'm saying is that there's a possibility because you have taken a chance on that person, the person would would become loyal. But there are many other characteristics, though, Henneke, that we have to look at in our selection of persons who are working for us. And loyalty is not just is not the most important. It is very important, but it is one. It it, it is um it is it is it plays a, a critical role. But for me, if that person comes to the table qualified, 
experienced, knows his or her job, and the only thing that is mitigating against them is a criminal record. I'm going to employ the person. All right, I hear you. Uh, and and it's, it's go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, one more scenario before we bring our audience member to um, you know, to ask a question. We've been listening intensively, you know, attentively, intensely, and and has a burning question for us. Another scenario I want to paint. You are the leader of a team, all female, all women, um, you know, members of your team. And there is uh, possibly, you're, you're trying to make a change, right? You're trying to, okay, you want to have a, 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 a different, you want a balance, right? And you're looking to employ more men, more men. This particular employee or prospective employee, you know, very brilliant, learned a lot while in prison, went to school, got PhD, all of these lovely jazz. But he was convicted for rape, right? And we understand the seriousness of rape. The question I want to ask in your mind, are you going to honestly say that a leopard can change its spots and will change its spot? Um, are you going to use that argument or are you going to say, no, I'm not going to take the risk um, because I don't want to endanger um, my staff. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put them at risk. What would that be? To be honest with you, I have to, I'd have to think long and hard before making that decision. And also, if if that person is such a strong candidate that I'm seriously considering taking them as a part of the team, I would have to first meet with my team and discuss with them what it is that I'm thinking of doing. If they are uncomfortable with it, right? They can give me, share with me the reasons why they're uncomfortable. What I will then do is to look to see what are some of the risks that, I, that exist as a result of, you know, the person coming on. And if, you know, what's, what are some of the mitigants that I can put in place? So if I can provide counseling for that person, have something, an extracurricular activity that he or she will do to help them to get through, you know, to come talk through some of the, the issues and whatever it is that they would have forced them into this kind of behavior. My team is comfortable with it. You know, after they've deliberated, they've thought about it. We, we talk about what program we'll be willing to put the person on. And if they say yes, I would go ahead with the team. I would go ahead and employ the person. I would, however, not just take the person and throw them onto my team and say, hey, he was a rapist, deal with it. No, no, no. It has to be a collaborative effort. It has to be something that we talk about. And then, as I said, we must have a plan in place where they're going to be getting that um, additional rehabilitation process taking place on the outside, you know, and, and, and doing some kind of monitoring and measuring to make sure that if we see any semblance of that kind of behavior lurking its head again we can immediately do something about it yeah but that's what that's exactly what i would do i wouldn't just say no right away all right okay um mm -hmm. so we're now inviting ronald to come on over um to join us and he's going to share his full name as well as the company that he represents and then proceed to ask his question welcome ronald go ahead we're having some technical challenges. As a result of that, Ronald, our audience member, is going to be typing his question. So I await his question. So thank you so much for that question, Ronald. And the question is, do we have rules governing the hiring of these type of employees? 
Now, let me go ahead and to respond to say, whereas I cannot speak specifically to the law where that is concerned, I know that there are some jobs that um, will, you know, certain jobs that organizations will not allow um, a felon to be part of, right? So like these offenses include larceny, grand larceny, embezzlement. So I'm sure if you have to work with money, uh, then you're not going to be allowed to be employed in in these in these roles, you know, dealing with money, right? Because um, I guess we have to take employees, employers rather, have to take as much caution as possible. As to whether it is it is law or it's just a practice, I I cannot definitively speak to that. But what I can say, I know that for some jobs. Um, and you know some rules. I mean, function. There is not going to be. You're not going to be employed in that. A company will not allow you to be part of um, their establishment if you would have committed certain crimes. If if you will allow me, um, um, Henneke, in the financial sector, because if you if you're if you're employed there, you need to do a fit and proper report that comes from the you know where you have to do a police record and you have to get. Um, I do a report to the BOG and also to the FSC, um, somebody who is a felon, especially the kind of um, um, the type of felony that you are, um, or whatever you're guilty of. So a lot of persons will not be able to be employed in the financial sector as a result of that. But I think though, Ronald, in terms of other organizations, I'm not 100% or other industries, I'm not 100% sure what obtains there. However, as I had mentioned in my in my conversations with Henneke, is that you as an organization can create eh, a system or a flow or a process as to how if you're going to employ these individuals, what, what does it entail? What the process looks like? How are we going to integrate them into the organization and allow for the, the fellow or fellow co-workers to be able to relate and work along with them? So, you know, different things can be created by different organizations to allow for that kind of integration. All right. Thank you so much for that response as well. And thank you for the question, Ronald. Um, at this point, Opal, we are heading to a close of our conversation. So I'm going to ask you just to, um, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. <laughs> Opal Levy of, of Sisters Inc. She's a director there and it's a management um, consultancy. So thank you so much for spending time with us today. And as you give your closing arguments, just provide to our listeners how they might get in touch with you if they need to. All right. So my closing arguments are it, you know, as I started out by saying that, you know, as an organization, we have a responsibility to help to build our society. Um, and it includes everybody, not just the good, but also the bad and the indifferent. And as such, you know, we should make an effort. I'm not saying everybody should or every organization should, but I think a lot of a lot of organizations, especially those that, you know, maybe not dealing with a lot of money and, you know, um, taking um, persons' funds, for example, deposits, et cetera, you know, to look at, you know, what kind of process or what kind of plan can I put in place to employ some of these persons? So it is incumbent on us to build our society, eh? And it is also important for us to be able to allow for some of these persons to come back, to reintegrate 
um, within to society and to be able to contribute to their children, their their, their let's just say their their families' lives, you know, and um, to become better persons. And you know, we have a responsibility too as Christians, because to, Jesus didn't come here for the good people. He came here for the bad. And so for those of us who are Christians can step into the space to see how can we help these persons, you know, to get them on a better path. And we might not be 100% successful, but if we can help one person, we would have done a lot. All right. And so for Sisters Inc., um, just want to advise you that you can send us an email at sistersinc1971 at gmail.com. Our social media handle is sissingja, and our telephone number is 876-431-8823. And we are so willing and able to work with small entrepreneurs, with, with small businesses, and well-thinking entrepreneurs to carry them to the next level in their, in, in their game. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Opal. And let me just emphasize that the ink is with a K, not with a C. Um, yes. <laughs> as some persons you. would, you know, thinking of an incorporation kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. All right. So with that, again, I want to say thanks. But my argument is uh, when it comes on to, so personally, let me say that because I really took on this side because I recognized how challenging it was. Nobody wants to argue against hiring felons. And deep down, I know that some persons um, are very biased, are very prejudiced. Um, but my personal view as we come to a close is everybody needs to have a second chance, right? Nonetheless, I am aware that notwithstanding that, there are many persons who, and even me in my own, in my, in, in my own um, situation, depending on what the nature of the crime would have, you know, would have been um, before, you know, before they come into organization or prospectively. So, but I also want to say, in spite of that, let us be led, not just by what we see on paper, but also by our guts. Discernment in, in, is what we call it in, the, in, in Christendom, right? Discernment. Uh, because a lot of things that we accomplish, a lot of decisions that we make, the, the black and white, the, 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 the pen and the ink, don't always tell the true story. We have to draw deep into our gut to decide, should I, should I take a chance on this person or not? And when something is right, you know, right? So that is all I'm going to say as you contemplate hiring, you know, um, a felon. Think about what you feel in your gut. Think about what your intuition is saying to you because internally speaks. And when you're quiet enough to stop and listen, you will hear. You will always hear what is the next best thing to do. So it's not just about what is said or, you know, what we can see, as I said before, but it's about what do we really feel deep down, not just our emotions, but deeper than that. Um, do we possess the necessary spiritual intelligence that will define our actions that, you know, that we move forward with? So with that, I just say, I encourage you, I, I encourage you to, to lead with your intuition, right? That is what good leaders do, right? Because whether somebody with, with a criminal record could be um, the best employee you've ever had, right? And you could also have a situation where you made a mistake, and hence your intuition, in addition to all that is around you that you can see, sometimes it's what you cannot see 
that will um, you know, be that tipping point for you. So I want to thank you so much, Opal, for being my uh, my worthy opponents, you know, formidable <laughs> opponents. And it was a great discussion, I believe. Thank you so much for taking time to join me. And thank you to Ronald Stevenson for coming in and chiming in on um, this conversation. And to you, our valued listeners, thank you so much for tuning into Your Business Matters, which is a production of Exim Bank Jamaica in partnership with me, of course, Henneke Watkins Porter of the Entrepreneur You podcast and now, yay, TV show. So you can find me at hennekewatkinsporter.com or on social media at hennekewatkinsporter. We really trust that this episode on hiring felons, whether or not we should hire felons, brought you some clarity on the matter. Remember to continue to join us and continue to connect with Exim Bank. And you can stay in touch at eximbankja.com. In the meantime, please follow the podcast via your favorite podcast app, Your Business Matters, bringing the matters to the table. And as you continue to mind your own business, I leave with you a quote from an unknown author. You can't spell challenge without change. Do take care. <laughs>